Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen and I work for Danfoss Cooling. Thank you for listening in on this podcast which is the seventh in a series on evaporative cooling. I'll be talking compressors today. Some of the compressor techniques mentioned here can be quite tricky to understand how they work without a visual description. So if you are in doubt of how a specific compressor technique works, there are a couple of great videos on YouTube. Compressing a gas is not really a problem in itself. The simple trick is to reduce the space in which the gas is confined. So, you let a portion of the gas into a space of, say, 30 cubic centimeters, and you reduce that to 3 cubic centimeters, and voila, you now have compressed that portion by a factor 10. This also means that the pressure has increased by the same factor. So if the pressure in the 30 cubic centimeter space was 1 bar, it should, according to a simple theory, now be 10 bar at 3 cubic centimeters. But in reality, it's higher, because the temperature has also increased as a result of the compression itself. How much higher depends on the gas you compress, the density, the moles, which is a unit for the refrigerant's chemical complexity. Let's for now just conclude that when you compress a gas or vapor, both the pressure and temperature increases. The easiest and most common way of compressing a gas is by cylinder and piston, or reciprocation, where the piston fits tight inside a cylinder so that you, by pushing the piston, the chamber above or in front of the piston is reduced. You probably know the mechanism from a bike pump where you also can feel the heat that is produced when you compress the air. In a reciprocating compressor, a motor drives the piston and the gas or vapor in an outlet is controlled by valves. But there are many other ways of compressing gases. Another way of reducing gas volume is the scroll technique. It's pretty hard to explain how that works by words only, but I'll try anyway. You have two equally sized and shaped spirals where one fits into the other. One is static and the other moves concentric sideways inside that static spiral, but none of the spirals are rotating. The result is that the space between the two spirals moves from the outer rings and gradually towards the center. Because of the shape of the spiral, where the diameter, so to speak, gradually becomes smaller, also, the space between the two spirals becomes smaller, and so does the volume.
And that's what we are after. A reduction of volume. Yeah, I told you that it's not easy to explain the function in words alone. But look up Scroll Compressor on YouTube. There are several great animations of spirals of the spirals interacting. Just don't get dizzy looking at them. So, in a scroll compressor, you have the inlet or suction at the outer rim of the spiral and the discharge in the center. One of the great things about the scroll compressor, among a few other things, is the reduced noise and vibration. Another way of producing high-pressure gas outlets are turbo or centrifugal pumps or compressors. The centrifugal compressor works quite like a centrifugal pump. That is, it has a rotating impeller that by the centrifugal force throws the substance, here the gas or vapor, to the periphery of the impeller. The centrifugal compressor usually have the inlet guiding the suction vapor to the center of the impeller and the discharge somewhere along the periphery. You can have more than one compression chamber, that is, on the same axle have two, maybe three impellers, so that you have a couple of compression stages. Turbo or centrifugal compressors usually operate with relatively high rotational speed, so one of the tricks for further improvement is to reduce the shaft bearing wear. The Danfoss TurboCore operates with magnetic bearings, which means that it operates oil-free. All of the mentioned compressor technologies have a lot of variants and modifications to obtain better efficiency, higher capacity, handling of higher or lower compression pressure, etc. etc. Especially one modification needs to be mentioned as a significant improvement, and that's the introduction of variable speed compressors. When you can control the speed of a compressor, you control the flow of refrigerant through the system. And that will have quite an impact on the other components and control of these, both positively and negatively. One of the issues have been the oil transport through the system, but once that is in control, the benefit of, of a dynamic and energy efficient system by far out outweighs the drawbacks. So, how to control the beast? Well, the simplest way to do it is of course to turn the power on or off, depending on the need for cooling. That's how you do it with most common domestic refrigerators, with a simple thermostat. Another relatively simple way of controlling is the so-called pump-down method. You have a thermostat that switches at the temperature you want, say, minus 10 degree. So when the temperature reaches minus 10, the thermostat switches off a solenoid valve that stops the flow of refrigerant to the evaporator. But that's not enough. You also have a pressure switch sitting in the suction line that has been set to a minimum pressure. And when that is reached, the pressure switch turns off the compressor. 
Because the solenoid has closed the flow of refrigerant, the compressor will suck the pressure in the evaporator downwards and eventually reach the low pressure that the pressure switch has been set to and will switch off the compressor. So it's a kind of a cascade switching off. Eventually, the temperature will rise again, the thermostat will switch on the solenoid and the flow of refrigerant will start again. The suction pressure will rise above the minimum pressure of the pressure switch and the compressor will turn on again. The more elaborate compressor controls are basically small programmable computers that can be set to pressure and or temperature limits all depending on the system. If it's with more than one compressor and if it's one or several cooling places which is being controlled. This podcast was brought to you by Danfoss Cooling. Please feel welcome to visit us at danfoss.com and maybe sign up for some of our cool e-learning classes. Thank you. (laughs) 